Hi, this is John and Nicole Sablon of To Have and To Hold, and we just want to remind you that when you're listening to To Have and To Hold, that this isn't any professional counseling that we're giving. This isn't any um, specific direction in your life. We're really just sharing from our hearts our personal experiences, our own perspective as it relates to marriage, family, and our faith. And so we just want to remind you that what you do is what you do. It nothing to do with us. But we'll keep praying for you. Keep praying for us. God bless. Welcome back to another episode of To Have and To Hold. As you can tell, we're kind of moving and experimenting a little bit with the studio um, here at the Sablon household. As you see, all of the podcasts are coming under one umbrella as we've been talking about. You also see kind of the same studio background. So functionally, it works a little bit better for us. But welcome back to another episode. And hopefully, as you prepared for this episode, you poured yourself a nice little drink. Because we have a toast to celebrate. And we are toasting to being created and created for being made, being created in God's image and likeness and being let's created go. for greatness. Right. Let's go with both. Yes. Yeah. True. Okay. Good. Cheers. Okay. So, my love. What we wanted to talk about in, these, in this episode was really about standards mm-hmm. as we approach um, the topic of dating and discernment. I mean, really, it, I think it, it doesn't matter if you're married or if you're um, single, uh, if this is relative to a person you're trying to find in your life. It's really about standards in general. As it relates to who you are as a dignified child of God, that's why we toasted to being made in his image and likeness, as well as being created for greatness. Mm-hmm. That God has great plans in store for us, as he tells us in Jeremiah, and that we're supposed to rise to that occasion, not necessarily lower ourselves. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I think it's important for us to think about what is it that we know about ourselves, how we're designed. If I know that I'm made in God's image and likeness, that I have a neat dignity and I live from that and through that then I know where my standards where to set my standards so if I am we know that in creation God made all things Mm -hmm. and made humans for the sake of ourselves everything else is for us so we have an inherent dignity we don't um, you know use we use things and not people we don't abuse things, especially people. And when we do, if we get hurt or we get abused, used wrongly, disrespected, neglected, it hurts. It's painful for all of us. Yeah. And so when discerning in relationships is to ensure that we know who we are ourselves and our dignity and our standards should be aligned with that. And I think that we're pretty good at that. In general, I think men and women are pretty good about standards. I think what happens with women is when they're dating, 
sometimes as time goes on, there is a sense of doubt. And so I could speak to the women's perspective, you can speak in the men's perspective, but there's a sense of doubt that emerges that our understanding of ourselves and our standards become a little clouded. Mm. And we doubt whether we should continue with our standards or we should lower standards. And I see this being played out, I know, in, in women that I work with and what they've shared in terms of their relationships, knowing that there are certain things that they would consider or deem as wrong, inappropriate, particularly with their state in life. If they're not married, engaging in something that is only for a married couple, and they really feel strongly about the individual that they're they're dating, they're pursuing, they're in relationship with. And so we know what strong emotions do. And just in case, uh, just we can go over it. But anytime we have intense emotions, then oftentimes this part of our brain, our prefrontal cortex, which we make decisions, we regulate our emotions, it becomes hijacked. And so this is um, often comes ar- across when people will say, they tell their loved ones that they're in love with this particular person. Mm-hmm. They see them with a rose-colored lens where the family members outside of, or friends outside of the relationship who do not have or experience those intense emotions about this particular person can see rightly, logically, and they can see all the red flags and think, oh my goodness, what is my daughter, um, relative, friend doing? Mm-hmm. What do they see in this person? Yeah, I wanted to clarify because you meant you had mentioned that men and women typically do well in standards. And I would, for me, when I, what came to mind is I think in other things, perhaps not necessarily when it comes to relationship and dignity. So in other words, okay, maybe academic standards, right? Mm. There's elements of that where we try to, you know, be the best mm-hmm. um, when it comes to our career, uh, when it comes to accumulating wealth and prosperity, like those things, I think people shoot for the stars, mm-hmm. right? And um, and honestly, be, they become very much false idols in, in, a lot, in a lot of the cultural aspect of that. But uh, when it comes to athletics, yeah, we sure, we raise the bar. And we don't necessarily, we're not, we're actually unwilling to compromise in certain aspects of that because we recognize the value of the end goal that we're trying to achieve. Mm-hmm. However, when it comes to the con, the, the, the concept of doing that in relation to relationships, mm-hmm. I think it's very different. I mean, we've talked about this before. Perhaps you have heard me say it, right? That men typically play hokey pokey. Mm-hmm. When it comes to relationship with God, with other people, and women tend to play limbo, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. it's how low can I go, right? So the bar start, starts up really high, yeah. and then we just lower it because of what you just described, strong emotion, strong attraction towards an individual, mm-hmm. and somehow also thinking that that's maybe they're the one who's wrong for that standard. Mm-hmm. Or maybe don't deserve the standard. Maybe there's a lie. I'm not lovable. I'm not desired. I'm not desirable. I need to somehow lower my standards. Mm -hmm. I think oftentimes 
they project their own thoughts and feelings onto the significant other. So I'm not going to say that all men are like this, but when dating, generally speaking, guys are going to want to put their best foot forward. They're going to try to do and say things that you want to hear. They have a goal in mind. Sometimes it's not pure. Oftentimes it's not. And so because us women don't think like that, and maybe some of us do, I can't, you know, this is a broad brush stroke. I, yeah, I'm, some women may, but I'm saying for the most part, at least in the women that I, I deal with, they don't, they want to think that the other person has good intentions. Right. They don't want to think that this person is somehow trying to hurt them or manipulate them because oftentimes the women would never do that mm. to the other, the significant other. And so it doesn't come across that this person that they really care about, that they love, and the other person who says that they love me is actually doing that. And not to say that men are always, 100% of the time, knowingly doing this, trying to be malicious. Some of it is just living out what the culture says. Mm -hmm. And they don't know the damage that they're doing to themselves into the relationship, Mm -hmm. into the woman that they say that they care about. Mm Mm-hmm. So unbeknownst to them, perhaps they're putting undue pressure on themselves and on their on their significant other. Mm-hmm. Well, some of it is also due to the fact that they're a slave to their passions. Mm-hmm. I mean, let, let's just be very real about this. And I think most men fall into this category. I'll leave the women alone. But most men, and we know this from even you know, our studies on the four level of happiness, most of us are at that level one happiness, which is really about feeding the flesh mm-hmm. and hedonistic, hedonistic, mm-hmm. very self-serving, mm-hmm. very pleasure oriented. Mm-hmm. And of course, with the uh, porno- pornography epidemic relative to just the number of men and now women that are addicted to pornography, masturbation, you name all the impure acts that go along with it, even if it's alone in your room, even if it's when nobody sees you. Right, because you you portray this pious and holy or just upstanding person, um, there's something seriously broken and disordered there. And I think what I would say as a man mm-hmm. is that that's an area where we struggle to be chased in and outside of relationships, in and outside of marriage, because we don't have a command of our flesh mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that our, that our will isn't in control. Maybe not all the time, you know, I'm talking about this in 100% of the cases, but a lot of times when it comes to even the the attraction mm-hmm. towards a woman, mm-hmm. uh, that there's a struggle there because we partake in these things of the world like pornography, like masturbation, things that are, are an offense against God and against other and then ultimately our own dignity of mm-hmm. which we're talking about in mm-hmm. this episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it goes back to what we were sharing if if I don't know my dignity, then in, and I let the society or the music I listen to or the culture, maybe whatever I watch on YouTube or whatever, influence me, and I'm not rooted in my faith, in the moral life, I'm more likely to be swayed by those things and engage in those sort of behaviors. What's sad about that is that we see studies, secular studies, not studies, religious studies, secular studies who s- suggest that when I engage in those sort of behaviors, which you mentioned, either pornography, masturbation, both of them, it affects my emotional health. Mm 
Mm. So I'm more likely to be depressed and be anxious. It affects my relationships and how I see people. Mm-hmm. Now I'm starting to miss cues, misunderstand certain cues. And so it, it affects us. Again, if you think about the catechism in what part three is, um, yeah, living, life of Christ, prayer yeah, life. Yeah, the moral life, living the moral life, basically. Yeah, Right, and it starts off there is, you know, follow each rule of the Catholic Church. It really doesn't. It's right. just Christians recognize your dignity. Recognize your dignity. That's for men and women. Recognize your dignity and how you're created. You're created for more. That the sexual act, if you take away the procreative aspect of it, and you only look at the pleasurable aspect of it, then I'm more inclined then to think of my genitals as a as just something that I can indulge for pleasure. Mm. And if I do that, then I see everyone else, if I take that apart, I see everyone else as an object to, this, to satisfy my pleasure. That's right. Right? Mm-hmm. And so if I am really in love with someone and going into a relationship with them, maybe I'm not lowering the standard in which I'm engaging um, in physical intimacy with this other person in terms of just having sex. Maybe I'm not doing that. In fact, it, if we're living out the, the worldly, I think, standards, they would say you should, mm-hmm. in fact, test one another out to make sure that they're, they're right for marriage. Try before you buy, right? Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. which we see that affects marriage outcome. 100%, yeah. So the more likely that you're to do that, more likely you're going to end up in divorce, right? right? So if I'm talking about the person who knows this, who's not going to engage, but then gives nudes or uh, engages in other, other impure behavior, then I'm reinforcing that type of behavior with the significant other that I say that I love. So I'm lowering my standard and who I am, not behaving in what's according to my dignity, nor am I allowing my spouse. In fact, I'm engaging in behaviors that lowers not only my dignity, but, but his. Yeah, your spouse to be whoever it may be, right? Yeah. Yes. The, yeah, it's interesting because going back to the, the lowering of standards, um, and again, I think we see this, I, I think it's much more difficult for women today than it is for men. Um, just because most men are little boys, uh, for for I guess just to put it frankly, um, well, in comparison to to women, though, if you're if you're dating somebody, you're the same age. Yeah, more likely again another broad brush, but the women are more mature than the. the well, yeah, I, I think men. yeah, and I was thinking when we know that developmentally, emotionally, mentally, right? Um, uh, there's aspects of it physically as well. But I'm talking about in today's world where we grow up in a video game playing, pornography ridden, you know, uh, self instant gratification world. Mm-hmm. Men are suffering greatly from it. Like we've been completely, we're an endangered species when it comes to like authentic masculinity because we don't know how to deny pleasure in order to pursue the arduous, right? Which is ultimately when we talk about what is a feminacy, it's the deni- the inability to deny pleasure in order to pursue the arduous. So for the ladies out there in particular, but this goes both ways. Yes. If a man or a woman, but I'm speaking to the men as a man, if a man is unable to deny himself mm-hmm. before marriage mm-hmm. for the sake of your dignity, mm-hmm. 
and your purity and your innocence, what in your right mind would make you think that he's somehow going to flip that switch after you say, I do? So when you compromise and you lower your standards, so for instance, maybe you're not engaged in a sexual relations, but he's into pornography and masturbation. Mm-hmm. You know, as much as you may think you can change that man, you can't. God doesn't what makes you think you can. You will. And we need to start actually elevating the standards as, you know, we know that um, a couple saints come to mind. You know, Archbishop Fulton Sheen says, you know, that the, the, the way of the world goes by the standards of the woman. I'm, I'm totally paraphrasing, so don't, don't quote me from that. But it's this whole point is that we rise to the occasion of where women hold the standard high. You know, there's an old adage, right? Why, why buy the cow when the milk's for free? And so what ends up happening is, unfortunately, ladies, you when you lower that standard, the guy doesn't have to earn anything. Would you say that that's true for for boys or for men? Is there a difference? Is there a difference between boys and men? Is yeah, there a difference yeah. with the statement that Archbishop Fulton Sheen, was it the idea of men, with that men will rise? Mm-hmm. And uh, boys? Yeah, I Or think, is there a difference between men and boys in, in that way? Because to me, it seems that boys, when I think about boys, I think of the playground and the, in the sandbox. Yeah, yeah. They're going to flock to the women that have lowered their standards, who do not know their dignity. Mm -hmm. They're playing a game. For for gratification only. For gratification. To to objectify them because they consider them an easy catch, right? Right. Whereas men, to me, it seems to me, now you're talking about a level of maturity. Yeah. Where I can deny myself. Yeah. For the good. Yeah. Or at least find in you a, a, a... a pursuit worthy of that denial, mm-hmm. right? So if they, if a guy approaches you, for instance, ladies out there, and he's into you because he's attracted to you and, and whatever, if you constantly hold that bar high, mm-hmm. if he is into you, he's going to pursue you in a way that is going to win over your heart, Right. Now, if he does that in a way that's honorable, that honors your dignity, that's pure and that's innocent, that's awesome Mm -hmm. because he's showing you what you're called to have in God's eyes relative to relationship, relative to the vocation of marriage, if that's (laughs) because marriage is way more than just um, feelings and emotions. I'll tell you that much. Mm -hmm. Uh, But if he doesn't and he's trying to be manipulative and all of those things, um, that stuff will all come out, right? Um, when he finally has that two-year-old tantrum because you said no, because, you know, the guys try to use, right? If you love me, you'll do this. Right. That love has no conditions, by the way. Mm-hmm. Love makes no demands, by the way. Um, and love would never go against your dignity. Which is interesting because you think about it, love is willing the good of the other. So I'm to deny myself and that's, with that scenario, mm-hmm. I'm supposed to deny myself for your good. Mm-hmm. So if I'm somehow trying to coerce or manipulate or make you feel bad, there's a red flag in itself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, willing the good of the other as other and doing something about it in that sense. So it is whenever we put conditions around it, mm-hmm. um, whenever we 
place a guilt trip on you, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and I think that just, let's be honest, cause we are talking about, you know, I'm taking some swipes at the guys out there because I think there's a problem. Even, even in your best intentioned men, maybe they go to the, the most Catholic university out there, mm-hmm. right? Or they, they're, they're part, they're involved in your parish community. They're pious for all intents and purposes that you can see and witness, it doesn't mean that they're free from sin. It doesn't mean that they're free from the inclination towards sin. And it doesn't mean that they're upstanding men who all of a sudden value um, your dignity, that they're not fighting their own demons, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that's the part that you need. we all need to be aware of, right? That um, there's the pharisaical approach to things. There's the whitewashed tombs out there that perhaps um, you think, man, and then it's a little discouraging, let's be honest, right? Man, I'm at this Catholic university, I'm at this young adult group, or I'm in this um, you know, circle of people that I know pray together and, and do all these things. Or I'm in a marriage. Oh, yeah, 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 you're in a I'm marriage. I'm in a marriage where my spouse is doing this, and yeah. I know it's wrong, and my spouse even agrees that it's wrong yeah. and is doing it anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it, it can... It, and so what do you do in those... You know, because obviously we painted this picture. I think most people can probably understand and relate to what we're describing here. I think there's work to be done. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would challenge all the men out there, as I typically do, is that I mean, Pope St. John Paul II says it's the, it's the obligation of every man to uphold the dignity of every woman. Period. Point blank. Mm-hmm. So what are you doing in that obligation? To uphold the women in your life, whether that's your mom, whether that's your sister, whether that's your 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 niece, um, your spouse, uh, your girlfriend, um, a girlfriend, right? Any of those uh, people that you may be attracted to, um, maybe that you struggle with lust over. What are you doing to uphold their dignity as an obligation as a man? And for the women out there, I would say that um, as discouraging and deflating and demoralizing as it can be sometimes and to feel like you're on this island and you're by yourself because you think their standards are too high meaning that and when when did we think not compromising ourselves is too high of a standard um that you just you toe the line and that you hold your ground and that you find your strength and and the grace required to be a pure and chaste and worthy spouse who upholds her own dignity um, in Christ and in the sacraments. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. As a couple, um, I think we know that, again, it's not that once you get married, you know, you're, you're free from any of these challenges to be chased, to be self-sacrificing. Mm-hmm. For the married couples out there, to your point, babe, um, you know, what can we share as encouraging words to those couples who may be one-sided, unequally yoked, where, man, I agree with you wholeheartedly, Nicole, John, but my husband is X or my wife is X Mm -hmm. and they actually are the cross that I'm bearing at this point. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Those are all difficult situations. First of all, with the dating, if we can just go back, there are certain behaviors I think that's important for us to, to look at. I know you mentioned this pious person who goes to mass, but it's how is a person, how do they respond to certain situations? How do they regulate their emotions? How do they handle difficulties? Mm. Sometimes that says a lot. 
What's their prayer life? Is it you're encouraging them to go to Mass? Are they encouraging? Are they trying to live out a devout life? Because they're going to be called to lead, they're, going to be ca- they're called to be the bishop of the home. Mm-hmm. Are they even remotely ready? Are they doing anything to prepare? Those are things to be looking for, I would say, as you're dating. Mm-hmm. If not, God, again, as John was saying, respects free will. We have to respect free will. It's nothing personal, ladies. The person is just not where they need to be. It's okay. There's someone else for you that God has prepared for you, and we have to let that person go. Yeah, It's going to save a lot of heartache in the end. Yeah. Cut your losses now. Exactly, because when you get together and you have children, it makes things very, very complicated. For the person who may be thinking, well, when we are able to engage in physical intimacy as a married couple, well, then my spouse no longer will have to look at pornography or masturbation. That's not the case, ladies. Mm-mm. If the the person hasn't learned habitually how to govern themselves, Mm-hmm. to master himself, to, to have self-control. As John was saying, it's not going to change once you get married. So while he can engage, remember the idea of what he's doing in terms of sex or intimacy is skewed. How he's using his body is skewed. And how he sees the body is skewed. That's going to be taking in the marriage. So if you don't fulfill any of his longings or desires, then he's going to He's going to resort into the same practices. He's going to default to the same things, the things that he knows. And that's a lot of pressure on a woman to try to fulfill the every desire of a man as they come up throughout the day. Mm-hmm. It's just not going to happen. So to keep that in mind, ladies, if you're in that situation, for women or spouses that are in a situation, it can't just be women. Sometimes it's... Um, you know, the women are, are the ones that are causing some of the heartache. Yeah, It's a heavy cross. I would say the best way to change your spouse is modeling what you want your spouse to do. And that's not easy. And that's why we need the grace of the sacraments. We cannot do it by ourselves. That's where we're going to need prayer. Mm-hmm. We need the, the grace from, from God to do that. But I need to make sure that I myself, I have no control over what my spouse does. I only have control over my own behavior and what I like to model for my children or my community. And so I'm going to be doing, going to the, to mass. I'm going to be receiving in a state of grace. I'm going to let the grace work efficaciously within me. I'm going to love my spouse as I desire my spouse to love me in return I'm going to offer up these masses for my spouse. I'm going to do prayers, offerings throughout the day for a conversion of my spouse. Mm-hmm. And all I can do, that's all I can do, and allow the Lord to work through as soon as my spouse has just a little, little, little opening is all we need. And the Holy Spirit is going to work through. So we just have to make sure that we're doing our part and be ready. Yeah, and I think a couple of saints that I would recommend wholeheartedly, especially if you're dealing with difficult spouses, is obviously St. Monica, Mm -hmm. um, or difficult children, for that matter, difficult people in your life, and of course, St. Elizabeth of Lisieux. Mm -hmm. If you haven't read her book and and the struggle she went through with her own husband um, who converted after she died, um, 
and I think became a, a priest, uh, Dominican a Dominican priest, priest right? Mm-hmm. Dominican friar. Uh, shout out to the Dominicans out there. Um, there is hope. It, it's it's not an easy path, and it's not an easy cross. And that's why it's important that when we talk about standards is to keep those standards high. Because sometimes, you know, in your emotional folly, you may be trying to write a check that you don't have enough in the bank account to uh, pay for, right? You're going to try to pick up a cross that you aren't ready to carry. And so we try to get in front of this with singles, young adults, youth, but even married couples out there. There's two sides to this, right? Try to avoid that path because you really don't want to walk down that unequally yoked and the burden that comes with that path. But those that may be in a difficult marriage today, there is hope because God can redeem all things and make all things anew. And so as Nicole stated, stay close to Christ, stay close to the sacraments, be a witness of hope and love in your own marriage and God can can transform. Just remember to stay prayed up. And so uh, we thank you for joining us on this episode. Hopefully it was helpful to recognize that you are a dignified child of God and that God has great plans in store for you. So we ask you to continue to keep giving us feedback, letting us know, like, share, follow, subscribe, do everything that you need to do to uh, continue to help spread the word of what we're trying to do in Tavern to Hold. And that's really to bless marriages and families across the world. May God bless you and keep you. And we'll see you on the next episode.